You are listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're delving into the question we've been discussing a lot lately. Why do we all love small town books so much? We love them. Mysteries, literary fiction, doesn't matter. We seem to love them. They're on a lot of people's wheelhouses. We're going to talk about it. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I just finished a book for my book club, which I wanted to talk about. It's a book you've talked about a lot on the show, and people, Glassers love this book. It's called, it's uh, Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. Ooh, good book. It's going to have a lot of things people like. Ghosts, um, um, uh, a non-white protagonist. Um, uh, Magic. Queer people. Magic. Queer people. Queer ghosts. Um, like, there's so much to happen here. So basically- this Sexy queer ghosts. Oh, yeah. There's a romance. I got really involved in this romance. Um, so basically, um, this the main character is tr- is trans and, um, and wants to be a brujo, which is these- um, how do I describe this? So it's so it's it's basically this group of people who can speak to the dead and release the dead back to like when they're like on Earth, um, so they can talk to ghosts. And it's in, in this it's a community that isn't in, in L.A. It's a Latinx community, and in this world, in this community, all the boys are brujos, all the girls are brujas, right, and they right. have very specific kinds of magic that is very gender segregated. Yeah. So the girl, so the women can heal, and the boys um, can communicate with ghosts and send ghosts back to um i guess they all can communicate with ghosts but they can they can basically cut this tether and send ghosts on to like their afterlife um and basically he summons this ghost he does he becomes like a brujo without uh, his family's permission he summons this ghost and then there's this whole mystery about how this boy uh who goes to his school died um and also there's a guy like in his family in this in this this uh community that died and it's these ghosts working with him but also there's this uh like funny girl sidekick um and then there's a romance it's great so it checks a lot of boxes for people and it's very adorable um and and, uh, yeah, it's fun. And I was actually, I was like, oh, this ending kind of surprised me. Like, it's a cool mystery. Um, the ending is well. very, very surprising. Mm-hmm. And what's fun is that it's a great book to read in June because one of the central things in the book is his family oh, doesn't yeah. want him to be a brujo because they're like, you were, a, you know, assigned female at birth. And he's like, yeah, but I'm a fucking boy and I can do this boy magic and I'll fucking show you whether you like it or not. Uh, and it's really, really cool. Oh yeah, that is great. I, th- I yeah, it also would be great to read in October because it takes place right around Dio de Dio de los Muertos. It takes place like in the yes. few days beforehand or something. Um, but yeah, what are you reading, Mallory? So I have gone on a small town book bender um, post Max Fun Drive. There was a few different books that you and I talked about that were like, we got to read, we got to read more witch books, we got to read more fairy tale retellings, and we got to read more small town books so we can recommend them to people. And I have gone on a tear, a small Good. small town tear. Um, and I was really excited to read this book because. Um, when I was recommending books for the drive, well, you know, one of my favorite small town books to recommend is uh, The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend by Katerina Bavald. Um, and when I was getting our affiliate link to put in an email to somebody to send them their recommendation, I realized that she wrote another book recently. Oh, great. Oh. Another adorable, heartwarming small town book. Wow. So it's called Welcome to the Pine Away Motel and Cabins by Katerina Bavald. And it is translated by Alice Menzies. 
Um, and this is also, it's always, it's so funny that we, you and I always end up reading very similar books at the top of the show because, um, the main character in this book is a ghost. So, uh, this is not a spoiler trigger warning in the beginning of the, the beginning scene of this book is the main character dying. She gets hit by a, hit by a truck and she becomes a ghost and she manages this motel in this small North Pacific Northwest town. And, um, she's like the opening scenes are her, her going, well, shit, I'm a ghost now. What do I do? And she realizes that she's here as a ghost and she's not like her funeral funeral happens and she doesn't go away. So she's like, fuck, I guess I'm stuck as a ghost for a while. So she decides to try to do everything that she can with her ghostly powers to help the people that she loves in this small town be happy again. Um, Not just because of her death, but because as a ghost, you know, this, what's cool is it's like the ultimate small town book because she's literally like walking through walls and like following around. Like one of the scenes is her following her best friend to the bar and like watching as she interacts with other people. So she, you get to see all the people in this small town, but in this like almost like third person omnipresent way where she's seeing them as they are very unguarded and she's seeing all their secrets and she's seeing them all be unhappy. And she's realizing like, you know what? I died before I did all a lot of the things that I really wanted to do in life. I don't want the people I love to do the same thing. So she, it's this like heartwarming story where she's trying to um, make all the people that she loves realizing that life is short. And so obviously the beginning is a little like it's content warning and a little sad, but it's so heartwarming. Great small, small town book. Um, I absolutely love it so far uh so that's the um the welcome to the pine away motel and cabins by katarina bavald and translated by alice menzies what language is it translated from swedish um and mine it's funny that she always she's from sweden but she always writes books that take place in the u.s so you don't it doesn't i this is kind of gonna sound weird but it never feels like a translated book Hmm. interesting uh and mine is cemetery boys by aiden thomas So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Kaylee wrote in, I used to be a massive reader, like read the fifth Harry Potter in one sitting kind of reader. And then I got a really severe brain injury, which made focusing on written words really hard for me. It was heartbreaking and it stole part of my identity. But I have always liked graphic novels and I was encouraged by listening to you guys to give them another try. You guys. I can read again. I literally cried when I realized I had devoured four volumes of comics in a day. I am burning through all the content my library can offer. More, more, more. Thank you for reinforcing constantly that all reading is valid. Thank you for promoting graphic novels. Thank you guys for being kind and funny and charming and letting me live my life vicariously through you for long enough while I found a way back to this world. Kaylee, fuck yes. Congratulations. Welcome back. This yeah, is why all books are great. books. That's so great. I love it. I love it. That's so wonderful. Exactly. All books are books. Uh, Rebecca, Kaylee, if you ever want recommendations for graphic novels, email us. We will yep, give them to you. For sure. Uh, Rebecca wrote in with a hot bookmark tip. Do we have a noise for that? A bookmark No, and tip? I don't really know what it would be. <laughs> uh, it's a hot bookmark tip. You hear it sizzling. It's a sizzling bookmark in the background. Oh, yeah, just yeah. Zzz. Yeah, it'll like be like a, the sound like of a... fajitas coming to you at a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> uh, and and also a wheelhouse. I recently figured out a way to solve two problems. What to do with stickers I love too much to use and needing to have bookmarks in my many book hiding, place, book hiding places. Uh, laminate the stickers. I get a beautiful bookmark and never have to worry about the sticker being thrown away. Um, and Kaylee... Uh, 
And uh, Rebecca sent us a pic, which we'll put on our Instagram. Rebecca's wheelhouse is historical romance, monstrous monsters, locked room mysteries, queer love stories in space. I feel like that's everyone. Uh, Bookish mysteries, lyrical, introspective prose, just about any nonfiction, though I love Mary Roach, one after Mallory's heart, Uh, murders that expose a community's problems and small towns and or families with secrets. Oh, my library, the Enoch Pratt, Enoch Pratt Free Library in Baltimore City, also has a storyline. Uh, and ga- sh- and uh, and and um, Rebecca gave us the number. This is a story anytime. Phone number. We'll put in our show notes. But if you're just writing it down, four one zero three nine six eight three nine six. This month, I recorded a story on Mailbox One. Oh, that's so great. Pretty fucking cool. Also, now I feel like we're really radio DJs if we're reading phone numbers out loud. I know there. it's so true. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, so two, uh, repeat bookmarks from us. We just wanted to remind everyone, uh, that we do have, we just, last week we launched our new merch collaboration with our friends over at Void Merch, uh, t-shirts, mugs, stickers, pins, totes, notebooks, pillows, basically any, anything you want in different fabrics and colors with awesome, uh, phrases we say on the show all the time. Ask me what I'm reading, uh, if I'm reading, don't talk to me there. We love the designs. They're absolutely fantastic. If you were looking for some cool new shirts for the summer tote bag, perhaps, or a new mug, we, we really, really love them. Uh, there's a link in the show notes for that. Uh, and also I wanted to remind everyone that my book girly drinks is now available for pre-order. There's a link in the show notes. Um, it is a, it's nonfiction book. It is a sort of, um, feminist cultural slash micro history about women drinking from the dawn of time until now. It it follows the history of women making and drinking and serving alcohol all over the world um, up until today. And I'm really, really proud of it. I'm really excited about it. So if you're a cocktail nerd or a women's history buff or like a foodie culinary wine kind of person, this book is perfect for you. There's if you order the hardcover or the ebook, there's photos, there's snarky footnotes. I read the audio book, which you can pre-order. I, I hope I hope you like it, uh, and I hope that you'll take the time to pre-order it. It really means a lot to authors. Um, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about small town books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Dipsy. That's right, folks. Everyone needs an escape, but those can be hard to come by right now. Enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. So, folks, Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories that are designed to turn you on. That's right. It is an app full of sexy stories. It's amazing. You can listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on, or that coworker you always had a little thing for, or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they like to do to you. Various sexy scenarios, whatever you want. And the coolest thing about Dipsy, the thing that I was most impressed by, besides the fact that the app looks really awesome, and that the stories are great, the, audio, the narrators are great, is that you can search by sexy wheelhouse items. Yeah, it's awesome. It is so cool. I wish like all bookstores 
bookstores and online bookstores were set up like this. You want a sexy teacher, you can type in sexy teacher. You want sexy talking, type in sexy talking. You want just specifically queer sexy stories, you got it. And when you pull each story up, it pulls up um, all the different wheelhouse items that it's part of. And it is awesome. It's such a great way to search for stories. And, you know, if you... there's many different kinds of stories if you want to get wound up. Also, if you want to get wound down. Dipsy has wellness sessions. They have like sensual bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. It is like the ultimate before bed experience. And like I said, the narrators are great. The stories are diverse. The writers of the stories are diverse. So you can, you, if you're looking for something sexy before bed, if you love romance, if you want to get into romance, you want to try out some erotica Dipsy is absolutely perfect for you. Bri and I were so impressed with it. I absolutely adore it. Um, so for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. So that's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash glasses. That's 30 days of full access for free. D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash glasses. That's a whole month of testing out some sexy stories. You can listen to a lot of sexy stories in a month. You should absolutely give it a try. It's free for the first 30 days. That's dipsystories.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about the... this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, and... Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on Maximum Fun... Dot org or wherever you get your podcasts your podcasts this week we're discussing books about small towns why do we all love them so much what makes them so appealing what makes a good one um, so during this year's Max Fun Drive, we recommended about a million different yeah. small towns. <laughs> Especially books about a small town with a secret. Uh, so Bria, why do you think these books are so appealing? I mean, I know for me, I can, I can speak from personal, I'm from a small town. So I know like when we, the, especially the small towns with the secrets, I know there are a lot of secrets. Because so, basically if you're with people you've known since they were like peeing their pants on stage in your kindergarten play, you know everyone's business. <laughs> and there's something like salacious about that. It's like knowing like a celebrity, but the celebrities in your math class. And and uh, and you also know they like peed their pants in, in kindergarten. It's a small like insular community. I think there is something interesting, especially when it comes to like these secrets, which we talked about a lot. But even even if it's just a community anyway, I think we're interested in like telling stories about communities because humans are pack creatures, you know? Um, and I think that is compelling for us to see how a community behaves, especially when you have like an outsider coming in, um, and especially if they have a secret, because we have to ask ourselves like, would we keep this secret? Like the town's keeping the secret? Would we be the person from the outside? I think there's just like something about us as pack animals that's gonna make us um, uh, just want to think about communities and small towns represent communities to us. I, I, what, do you, what do you think? 
And apologies to everyone. I know there's a gardener at my house, but this is the only time we can record. Does he know? Does he have secrets? He told me he has some few secrets. Uh-oh. Uh, so I think this probably goes for a lot of listeners and a lot of the people who were um, requesting books about small towns. I think a book about a small town, especially one with a secret, hits on a ton of different reading pathways and mm. wheelhouse items. So if you read for character, these books usually have, uh, you know, an, an ensemble cast of characters. Um, and there's a lot of um, a lot of character stuff going on. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, they all have their own interesting stories and personalities and secrets and relationships to other people. Um, if you love setting, you know, obviously the town itself is almost a character. It's such a the setting of small town books is very, very important. Uh, if you love plot, a lot of these books have some sort of secret or goal propelling them along. Um, so I think it hits on a lot of things that people love about books all rolled into one. Um, and that that makes people really drawn to them. Like, but Bria, so what for you specifically, what draw what would draw you to a book about a small town? Well, again, I'm from a small town. So like any sort of like obviously it's a location that is familiar to me. Um and I I love gossip, you know? I, I just like it's easy. <laughs> uh, you do love a secret. I love a secret and I'm horrible at keeping them. So like all so all of these things are very exciting for me just as a person. Um I also <laughs> think it's, it's a little easier, like, I mean, I think, like, you have the small town fiction versus, like, uh, you know, urban fantasy or something like that. But in urban, in, like, these urban books, you you have to learn the full city and, um and or, or like, there is a full city, but this is, just like, one aspect of the city. And I think with a small town, like, here it is. This is what you need to know. It's just this town. It has this one secret. And obviously no town is that small and just has that one secret. But I think when we can distill it down to this easy idea, I really like that because it's something I can just grab on to. Um, what about you? What makes you like a small town book? Uh, so as we figured out in our reading pathways episode, uh, I am a plot reader, uh, and the fastest, most reliable way to hook me into a book is to make me wonder what's going on or what's happening. What? Some secret happened 20 years ago that's making someone act weird? I have to know what the secret is. <laughs> I have to know what happened. Did someone murder their neighbor and other people help? Did someone have an affair? Uh, I have to fucking know. Uh, so many of these books feature very complicated relationships between people that are influenced by secret secrets and events. And wow, I fucking love figuring things out. That's all you have to do is like allude, have a character in the first chapter allude to something that happened, some secret the town is keeping or some event or something that's going on and I'm immediately like I have to read this entire book so I have to mm-hmm. know what it is mm-hmm. I must know mm-hmm. um, and plus I love I love the quirky ensemble cast of characters I love books that heavily feature diners and bars yeah um, yeah if anyone has small town books that heavily feature the local bar, please email us. Um, I actually just finished a book for this episode that I was reading a bunch called Coastliners um, by Joanne. Oh, my God. I can't remember her last name. The same real lady who wrote Chocolat. Um, mm. And it was like takes place in a French small town. But a lot of this book takes place in their local bar, which I was excited mm-hmm. about. Uh, you know, I love a bar. Um, so, Priya, what do you think are crucial, besides obviously the small town part, what do you think are crucial elements to these books? Well, we, we talk about secrets. I mean, we like the secret thing, right? We like when people know something. Um, and uh, so we think that that, so I think you have to have the secret, but I think you have to have the secret, you need a person who's not in on the secret, right? I think mm-hmm. that's important. So we discover the secret through them or they're prying in on this secret or something. Um, I, and then we get to see like, ooh, will they figure it out? Will they be punished? What what will happen? Because um, even the book, even the, the, the books that have like, 
you know, no major secrets. There's still usually like an outsider coming in and seeing this town. It's not usually just a, just a town. There's like something like sets it off, right? Um, I think like you said, a cool setting. Um, like it can be a rando small town, but it needs like a central hub, like a restaurant, uh, like in uh, Blue, Bluebird, Blue, Bluebird, Bluebird has um, uh, a restaurant uh, at, at the center. But, like in Forget yes. This Ever Happened, there's like a spooky water treatment center. Or maybe there's like a weird mayor who just seems to like have something weird going on. Like you need a hook. You need the thing, the location, the thing that makes you go like, oh, that's weird and different. Like there's something weird happening. Actually, it may not be a water treatment center. It may be in a power plant, but it's like a, this place outside of town. And spoiler, it contains monsters. Uh, so I think that these are things. So you need that outside person. You need, like you said, like a location. Uh, what about you? What What do you think? Um, I'm going to actually build on that a little bit because I think one of the most satisfying and important parts of a small town book um, is the main character usually finds or figures out something really critical about themselves. And there's always that like mm. element of self-discovery. Obviously... We all love all the characters and stuff, but I think that this needs to be a strong part of the book, whether it's like the main character is someone who's come home to a small town after being away for a long time and figure something yeah. out about themselves or a stranger comes to town or someone who has lived in the town for a long time and wants to leave. They always need to figure out something about their lives. And there's something about the small town and like wisdom from all of the quirky characters in the small town that helps bring them to that moment. Um, and I think that that is, that's, one of the things, at least for me, that makes a small town book really good. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Because um, I, I was thinking about the book, um, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, which is a small town book with a little bit of mystery. But the main characters are not new to town. They have been there a long time, but they discover something kind of about themselves through a mystery character coming to town. But it's not from that character's yes. POV. It's from the main characters who have been in the town for a long time. Yeah, so I think... Um, because obviously if everything stays the same in a small town, it's not an interesting book. But if it's something, um, you know, someone comes to town and changes things up, like, um, you know, the book I was talking about at the beginning, the breeders of Broken Wheel recommend this woman from Sweden comes and opens a bookshop and uh, everyone starts to change a little bit and she finds out things about herself. Like, I think it just, it's really interesting. It's always interesting to watch a character change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and small town books are great for that. Um so very important question, okay. Bria, mm -hmm. which quirky small town character would you be? <laughs> okay. I think I'd be the person, like the lady who like waits tables, chews gum, you know, recommends the peach pie. It's great. <laughs> we just made it fresh today. Um, and I work at the local restaurant and then someone is like there like trying to figure out this mystery. And I say something like, Rita May. Why, wow, we haven't seen her in these parts for a hundred years or, you know, something <laughs> That's my that's my character. Uh, what what like and I'm mysterious about it. Uh, what what would you would you be? I would definitely be the weird old lady who like lives alone at the the, the edge of town with her cats. That right. like at a critical point in the book, the main character like come walks across my walks in front of my house for some reason and starts talking to me and I give them some backstory that makes everything click I'm like oh well that reminds me of the flood of 1822 <laughs> oh so and so was really like really affected by this flood. like and me telling the uh, main character about this historical event or this event or the secret or whatever all of a sudden they're like oh, I understand um there's a there's a, a book that I read called Quiet Neighbors by Catriona McPherson, and it's about 
this woman who comes to this little Scottish town, Scottish town and works at a bookstop there. And she's always talking about this thing that happens in Agatha Christie books because she's always talking about this concept that, um, and it's this literary device and there's a French name for it and I can't remember, but there's what something that happens when a stranger comes to a small town and everybody in the small town knows about this one particular thing so much so that they don't feel the need to explain it to this ex- outsider mm-hmm, because they mm-hmm. just assume that they already know. Yeah. But it's actually this, that piece of information right. that everyone knows that's critical for the main character to figure out this secret or this mystery. Um, and I feel like I would be the weird old lady who has like a hundred cats that like gives them that piece of like, Oh, well you, I want to tell you this story. Um, also, I just want to live in a little house, like at the edge of town with a million cats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you already do. Uh- <laughs> it's true. I do. It's funny because we, we're doing this episode because I now live in a small town and I'm, we've been adjust like so small that we do not even have a mailbox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. We are way up in the mountains. And, um, I think about these small town books all the time and like listen to the Twin Peaks soundtrack all the time. And I'm like, Ooh, cause I think this weekend <laughs> now that we're vaccinated, we're going to go to the diner for the very first time. And I'm like, what quirky characters are we, we going to meet up here? Um, <laughs> It's been very well. Fun. It's interesting because these I, I, small town books, obviously, like they're they are like a heightened reality because there is no. I mean, there are towns like this small, you know, but but where everyone knows everyone. I mean, it's like a rarity these days. Like you know, it's usually like you won't know everyone in your small town. Even if, maybe maybe if you live in a town of like eight people, you know. But otherwise, it's gonna be there. It's it is. It is a rarity to have some place this small, and so it's a little bit of a heightened reality. I think when we're reading them. Yeah, and I think you you hit the nail on the head at the beginning of the episode. It's a lot of people come from small towns yeah. and miss it a little bit, you know? So you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com before we solve a bookish problem. We're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Owl Crate Jr. Owl Crate Jr. is an award-winning subscription book box for kids ages 8 to 12. Every box is carefully put together to encourage curiosity, creativity, and imagination. Each one includes a brand new hardcover middle grade novel, an exclusive letter and signed book or book plate from the author, and activities and goodies to go along with the book's theme. Best of all, they ship right to your door, starting at only $27.99 a month, plus shipping. That's like getting a new hardcover book. In fact, it's actually cheaper than getting uh, a hardcover adult book. Most A lot of hardcover adult books right now are... are over $30 and this is less than that. Whether you have a voracious young bookworm in your life or you're looking for a fun way to encourage a reluctant reader, Owl Crate Jr. is the perfect subscription for ages 8 to 12. Past themes include winged beasts, elements in alchemy, epic quests, and more. And if you want to check out examples of all their past boxes, they can be found at owlcratejr.com, which is extremely cool. I mean, how excited, I mean, I get excited when I get subscription boxes. I can't imagine how excited I would have been when I was a kid if I got a, a subscription box every month full of, with a book in it and cool stuff. Uh, I get, took, I, I couldn't resist when we got the, when we got our boxes in the mail, I had to look at them, but then I, I took its glory and passed it on to friends of mine who have two kids in this age range and the consensus was huge hit activities were a hit the book was a hit it was such a great thing for the kids to do i know it's summer right now where all school is out and parents are scrambling to find ways to entertain their kids maybe there's family you haven't seen in a long time and you're trying to figure out what to get them 
nieces or nephews, cousins, kids who you want to encourage reading in, this box is perfect for a gift. So you can go to owlcratejunior.com and save 15% on your first subscription or non-renewing gift with the code glasses at checkout. This is such an awesome thing to get for a kid. Also, if you're looking for something for your own kids, you get to read the book too and participate. Uh, the activities are so, so much fun. The, the, the goodies, the um, box that we got had like in addition to all the cool activities, it had like a cool beanie in it and bookmarks. And I was like, I just couldn't be believe how many, how much stuff was in that one box. Such a great gift, such a great thing to get for your kids. So that's OwlCrateJr.com to save 15% on your first subscription. You use glasses at checkout and that's OwlCrateJr.com code glasses. Glasses. I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we're the hosts of Around Springfield. Around Springfield is a Simpsons-adjacent podcast where we talk to Simpsons folks about non-Simpsons things. That's right. So in the past, we've gotten to talk to legendary showrunners and writers like Al Jean, Bill Oakley, Josh Weinstein, Dana Gould, Mike Reese, and David X. Cohen. Voice actors like Maurice LaMarche, Maggie Roswell, and Yardley Smith, the voice of Lisa Simpson herself. Hell yeah. <laughs> so we've been away securing guests for our final five episodes. We won't tell you everybody, but we'll let you know that the last episode is kind of a big deal. We got Matt Groening. <gasps> Homer's dad. We got Homer's dad. Check out new episodes of Round Springfield starting June 21st. On Maximum of Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Smell you later. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners, Salvatore writes in. My partner has been reading a book that was recommended by one of her coworkers who was extremely enthusiastic about it. My partner started reading it and she didn't like it, but she kept reading, not wanting to disappoint her colleague and also hoping that the book would get better. It hasn't. And she's now halfway through this terrible book that she doesn't like. It's not a short book. It's 600 pages, but she feels like she has to finish it because she owes it to the coworker and she's feeling guilty and she'd feel guilty returning it without finishing it since the coworker was so excited about this book. How does she let the coworker know that she just wasn't into this book without letting down her colleague and without feeling residual book guilt? Bria, what do you think Salvador's partner should do? First of all, I like this is for a partner. Uh, are we sure the partner isn't you? It's like, you're like, I'm asking for a friend. Uh, I swear the friend <laughs> isn't me. Uh, it doesn't matter. You know I'm good at dumping books now, though. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, no, I mean, for I mean, that Salvador is pretending it's somebody else. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, cough, cough. Yes, it's for a friend. <laughs> uh, but, well, but whatever. So if it's for you or for your partner, Salvador, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I think Mallory and I will agree that your partner needs to stop reading. Yes, Mallory? Yes. Stop reading the book. Don't, don't, we, give, we give your partner permission. We need like an air horn. To, we need to bust into this, <laughs> this person's house with an air horn. Like, stop it. Stop reading. Um, I think, uh, so stop reading. And I'd say, if look, you don't have to lie and say you read the book, but go to the Wikipedia page or uh, and like be like, I, I know what happens now. I, I didn't have time to finish it or it just didn't really grab me. But um, I think you can definitely just say like it didn't really hit, right? Uh, but 
here's what this person wants, I think. I'm going to get into the psychology of the work friend. Uh, and is, is this a work friend? I just assume this is a work friend, a colleague. Okay. I Bri- assume Bria it's like has just put on a monocle and pulled down a chalkboard. <laughs> I think that they want to talk to your friend about it, right? They're trying to look for something to bond about. So, like, you've read half this book. You can be like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to finish it, but I am curious, like, what happened to so-and-so? Or, like, I, you know, that way that person, like, feels like they get to talk about it, which is what they really want to do. And they, you can talk to them about it and you can read the Wikipedia or something and just find out how it ends if you really want to. Uh, but the whole reason that they want your partner to read it, I think, is so they can have a conversation with them. And maybe, maybe they can, you know, they can ask questions about the book or be like, you know, I didn't really get this part, which is the reason I stopped reading it. You don't have to say that. But then that person can be like, oh, this is what that part means. Um, and also it'll probably only come up this once. So your partner really doesn't need to worry about it too much. It may never fucking come up again. So don't like, don't panic about it. And maybe also recommend a book, a different book y'all can read together. Like this isn't really my thing, but would you want to read a different book together? Like another fantasy book or like a fantasy book or, um, I assume this is a fantasy book because it's 600 pages. Could not be. Like, would you want to read this short? <laughs> that is very funny. Uh, you, could, you could also just be like, I only, I, I have trouble getting through 600 page books. Like, I'm not that into it. Can we read a novella? Whatever the thing is you're into, like maybe find something. Because I think this person, like I'm trying to think of their intentions are to bond with you and to share something they really love. So like they can let them defend the book. Let them talk about the characters they love because that's what they really want to do, you know? And if you're, if you want, you can also just fit not read the book and if you don't really care about this person that much or to make this friendship work then eh, don't worry about it what do you think Mallory yeah uh yikes I do understand this awkward scenario but I agree with Bria that I think this scenario is much less awkward than than Salvador's partner is making is thinking it's going to be um obviously first off dump that fucking book immediately give it back to your coworker. um if your partner is able and comfortable doing so just say she's just saying it wasn't for her any decent person is going to be like oh i get it thanks for trying it out anyway um if the coworker gets upset or insists that salvatore's partner keep reading it your partner's got some bigger problems here like <laughs> then you have a book tyrant in your workplace and you have to figure out how to escape them <laughs> but it's not her not, not salvatore's partner's fault um it's obviously easier to just lie and say that you read it uh, especially since like you said bria she's read enough of it that at least to at least name some of the characters and be like, oh, I loved Bobby too. You read 300 pages. That's a book. You can may as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could totally convincingly lie about it. But the only problem with that is if Saboteur's partner does that, she runs the risk of the coworker trying to force more books exactly like that. Like, oh, you <laughs> like sequel. this book? There's 500 more in the series and they're all twice as long. <laughs> and you're like, no. No, um, I don't think, I, there's no reason to like, I mean, just, just like, no. it's not for me, you know? It's always best to be honest, even if you... Even if to just cut off the stream of bad book recommendations that you don't want, mm-hmm. just tell Salvador's partner uh, needs to know that she's not a bad person because she did not like this book. There's a million reasons not to like a book, and many of them have nothing to do with the book being bad. Like I said, any decent person is just going to be like, hey, this isn't for me. But I think your solution or, or suggestion of being like, hey, do you want to read something else together mm-hmm. or um, that neither of them have read? Because like you said, most people, when they're recommending things, they just want somebody. I mean, I, I know this happens to me and my boyfriend all the time. Is that, like we want each other to see a movie and we don't even want to talk that deeply. You just want somebody else to be like, yes, this was good. Yeah. You just it's like a very human experience to want some other person that you are friends with or close with in some way to acknowledge that this thing is good. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, just 
it's nice when you are seeing a sunset. It's just nice to have another person be like, yes, this I'm seeing this too. And it is also, it, it is pretty. I agree. They're just looking for community. They're looking for some sort of community, a shared experience. So, I mean, maybe that shared experience is some other book or something else or a, a movie or something else. Like, I mean, maybe this person just wants to be friends with you. And I think that that's, you can acknowledge that, you know. Yeah, they're looking to bond with you. And also, if they're really enthusiastic about this one book, they're probably going to be enthusiastic about other books. You know, it's not like this one book is like the end-all be-all to their personality. They're not. And if they're, again, I keep saying this, but if they're a decent person, they'll just be like, oh, uh, oh, you didn't like it? That's cool. Yeah. I have another book that's different. Or do you want to read something? Let Maybe I can read something that you liked. It's just, it feel, it's a situation that's very easy to build up in your head as like something that's very awkward and uncomfortable. But in most scenarios, if you're just honest, it's not that bad. Yeah. So, Saboteur, tell your partner to put that book back in her bag and bring it back to work and give it to that person. Other yeah. person. Yeah. No book guilt. No book guilt. Um, so if you want us to solve your reader problem or absolve you or your partner of any reader guilt, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to look at some book tech. Advances in bookish technology. This week, we're testing one of our favorite things to do on reading glasses, some reading snack technology recommended by many, many listeners. (laughs) M&M's. So, Bria, first off, weren't M&M's invented for, like, soldiers or something like that? I mean, yes, sort of. So... Basically, the son of the guy who owned the Mars company got the idea during the Spanish Civil War when he saw British soldiers eating a candy that were called Smarties at the time that had chocolate center and candy coating on the outside. And they were they were designed to keep you uh, keep them from melting because it was the the, cho- the candy coating. And the first big once M and M's came around. Um, the first big customer was the U.S. Army, who sent it with soldiers uh, to co- tropical climates so they'd have something to eat. And during World War II, they actually sc- sold exclusively to the military. But they've been around for a long-ass time, M&M's. Do you think they were, like, camo M&M's? Oh, wow. I went, Yeah, I'm sure they were all brown. They probably didn't have colored ones at that point. Did you know you can get, like, your name written on M&M's and, like, people do that for, like, baby showers and weddings and stuff? Yes. I, you know, it's funny. I believe it was Rachel Harrison who wrote The Return that— ordered specifically pink return themed M&Ms for her for when the return came out. Oh, I love for that. Her launch party. That's very fun. Um, which is great. And I, I I remember she was tweeting, she was just like, oh, because her launch party got canceled because it was right at the beginning of COVID. But she was like, at least I have all these delicious M&Ms nah. to eat by myself. <laughs> um, so Bria, what M&Ms did you test out for this? Well, I did not test out M&Ms. Uh, we actually had a glass of Cinda and some unreal peanut uh, they're not called M and M's, are they? Unreal. Yeah, we're using we're using M and M's in the word in the way that people would use the word band aid. Is that there is the trademark brand M and M, but M and M. We all now understand that M- an M and M is a piece of a round piece of chocolate covered in candy, whatever brand it is. Right. So I tested out. Someone sent us, um, and I don't have their name, and I don't think it was on there, but they sent us dark chocolate peanut gems. Uh, by the way, I say the word gem like the name gem, gem, gem. I have trouble with this when I'm playing D&D. It's always like, I'm like, I have five gems to give you. And it sounds like I have five guys named Jim. I'm going to hand you. <laughs> um, that's, that's very anyway, funny. Anyway, chocolate covered gems. Um, and that is what I ate. And since then, I have also bought the Unreal Dark Chocolate Crispy Quinoa Gems. Dark Chocolate Crispy Quinoa Gems. What a mouthful. Um, a mouthful of excellence. Uh, <laughs> they're 
so good. They're vegan, so I like them a lot, gluten-free. Um, and look, maybe I'm not a soldier in a tropical climate. Maybe I'm just a woman on a couch reading a book. And maybe those things are different. I don't know. Who could say? But they help me just the same as they would a soldier in a tropical climate. No melty fingers. Perfect size for munching. And you can have just a few, or maybe you can have multiple bags because everyone knows that we were sent three bags, but Mallory only received one of the three bags. Mallory got none of the three bags. Thank none? You very I can't much. remember if I gave you one or zero. Seven no. drinks. Bria ate all four of these bags. <laughs> there of were chocolate. three. There were only three sent. Uh, and then I bought to her more. face. <laughs> um, and keeping, wow, I kept it for a long time. I remember I put it in a specific shelf and I was like, John, don't touch this. And Bria, don't touch this. <laughs> and then at one point, you're like, I'm not coming to, you like left town. And so I was like, well. It was after I moved and I realized that it was, it was like in that weird period of time between when I moved and I wasn't fully vaccinated. Yeah. So I couldn't come. And a chocolate to- covered candy is not going to survive in my house for more than a month. Like that no, is. I- hypocrisy. A long time ago, I accepted that any chocolate that we get is yours. You remember when your mom sent sent us a bunch of chocolate and you ate them all and your mom got back? <laughs> she I was can't like, This is why I don't I can't keep snacks in my house because they get eaten and I ate all these gems. I ate the gem the quinoa gems, the peanut gems. If there's any gems in my house, they're gonna get eaten. Too too delicious of a jewel. Um so anyway, I how think many great. so no chocolate covered fingers though. Yeah, five out of five. I think they're great. I think they're they they come in large packages, but you can get them in small ones I saw recently, like in like smaller than like an M a traditional M M&M package. Um but yeah, I think they're really good. I think this is a really good snack, um, reading snack because no melty fingers. Um you can eat them without looking at them because you can just grab them out of the package. Um, there's just like a lot of, a lot of bonuses for, for M&Ms. This is a really good one. You, however, what did you test? So I did get my own unreal peanut oh, okay, M&Ms. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> um, but I also got the M&M brand sna- peanut M&Ms, which are one of my favorite yeah, cho- you love uh, snacks of all time. I'm not a big chocolate person, but I love a peanut M&M. Um, and something that a few listeners wrote in to say that was the perfect reading snack, mini M&Ms. How many now, is mini? How small is mini? Um, probably about the size, even smaller than the end of a pen. Okay. Like the round part like of a, a pen. Like the size of like a yeah. pill bug. Yeah. I don't know what that is, okay. but sure. <laughs> a doodle bug. Um, a doodle bug? You don't know what that is? You probably have a name for it that I'm saying the wrong name. Okay, got it. We probably have some obnoxious Massachusetts Yeah, it's called name. like a Worcester. What? <laughs> <laughs> a Worcester bug. <laughs> a Worcester bug. Oh. Have you been to Worcester? <laughs> no, but I'm working on something that has Worcester in it. That's why I know about it. Fucking Worcester. It's a Worcester bug. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back on track. <laughs> They're very small m They're exactly the size of a Worcester bug. Um, but they come. Okay. The list, every listener who wrote in to tell us about many M&Ms for reading, you were absolutely fucking right. But it's not about the size of the M&M. It's about the tube. So the tube that the... <laughs> Many M&Ms come in a small tube that's about the size of a finger, at least if you're me. I have very small hands. Le- length of a finger and about the... Wi- yeah, it's about the size of a finger. And um, it's the perfect reading snacking tool. Um, I en- So I ended up saving the tube and putting some of the other M&Ms that I was testing into it. It's the perfect portion of chocolate because it's like a handful of chocolate in this tube. Uh, zero chocolate-coated fingers. 
um, because it's you can you don't get in like you're not touching the um, the chocolate with your hands and it's easy to operate with one hand. You pop the top of the tube off, tip some mm. M&Ms in your mouth and then pop the two the the two the, the top of the tube back on with your thumb. It's incredible. Zero chocolate coated fingers, five out of five pages. I'm, I, I'm going to I'm putting I'm, it out there. Tube of mini M&M's might be the ultimate way to eat chocolate while reading. I just don't think this is going to be enough chocolate for me. Like, how long am I here for? You can reload it. (laughs) (laughs) Go back for a second round. (laughs) Okay. All right. But the getting up, the reloading. Like, how many M&M's can you fit in there? Full-size M&M's can you fit in there, too? Full-size? I mean, like, Like, about a handful. Like, five. No, 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 like I like filling the palm of, if you're cup oh, your hand. You said the size of a finger. This feels like it can fit like one, two, three, four, five t- M&Ms in there. I have small fingers. I'm trying to think. Um, well, and then be so less. Be like three. this? Okay. All right, I got to see it. You got to send me a photo. Yeah. I'll, you got to get one. You got to get, you got to get, you got to get some. tube. <laughs> the tube is, is key. I kept the M&M tube. I still wow. have it in my cabinet. So this is more a review for the tube, not the M&Ms. I mean, I will say the peanut M&M's are, are the uh, mini M&M's are great because I am not a huge chocolate person. So with the mini M&M's, you get a higher ratio of candy coating to chocolate. Oh, love point. the crunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic. I love good both point. of them. But I got really sidetracked about the tube. I'm, I'm obsessed with the tube now. And I think that if you're a chocolate, chocolate, chocolate eater, chocolate reader, <laughs> you even if you don't like M&M's, buy the tube and put other stuff in it. Tube is Tube. truly incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if you, you folks send your preferred way of eating chocolate to us, if you are an Eminem fan, let us know. I, I'm, I'm going to do some more research into the tube. Maybe they make bigger tubes oh. for a larger chocolate eating experience. You can't, can you go put the peanut Eminems in the tube? They're big. It's bigger. Yeah. Than, okay. Less of them, obviously, but it's still about a handful. It was great. Okay. I used it. I And and I did it when I, even when I wasn't reading, it was great. When I was playing World of Warcraft, when wow. I was working. Wow. Chocolate I mean, tube. Tube for the win. Tube, tube was an innovation that has truly changed my life. Wow. Jeremy laughs at me because I keep it in the cupboard and it's like, <laughs> it's my little snack tube. Um, but I, I, I actually, I think a listener wrote in to say like the tube is the way to go. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm here. I'm going to try this tube. Got to try the tube. Tube in the snack cup. I think that's, uh, the tube is like the, the next step forward from the snack cup because you can put a lid on the tube. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can send all of your snack related ideas and innovations to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group, Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember you can buy reading glasses, shirts, and notebooks and pillows and totes and mugs in our uh void merch collaboration store there's a link in the show notes and if you like the show you can rate and review us on itunes it makes us feel amazing about ourselves every time we we see those five star reviews go up a bird comes in my window and does my hair (laughs) while a rainbow shines into my coffee cup it's it's an amazing experience um, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. And as always, thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. <laughs>